Welcome to the Two Grumpy Bastards Podcast, where feelings aren't felt and snowflakes melt. Buckle up, it's gonna be a bumpy ride. These confines with a monarch's voice cry havoc! city steps. You insult my queen. You threaten my people with slavery and death. Oh, I've chosen my words carefully, Persian. Perhaps you should have done the same. This is blasphemy. This is madness. Madness. This is Sparta! They painted over ants. Welcome back to the Two Grumpy Bastards podcast. We are here on our, I'm well, I'm on my iPhone. And uh, are you on your phone too, Russ? Yeah, so we're, we're, doing, a, we're doing an iPhone uh, little uh, uh, sausage fest here. Because Coop's, the Bastards in Exile. The Bastards in Exile. <laughs> because Coop woke up a few days ago and his laptop was on the floor. And I think one Mr. Huckleberry Coonhound Esquire was responsible for that because I had left part of my dinner on the desk and I think he indulged himself. And then uh, I come to find out it's going to cost me around 300 bucks to get that damn thing fixed. And it's in a it's in a shop right now. It's in the hospital. My beloved HP Omen, um, which I miss desperately because I'm on that thing most of the day when I'm when I'm home. But uh, so we wanted to let you folks know we did put one in the can the night that that happened. And then I woke up and I saw that and it um, interrupted the upload. It was about 80% uploaded to our host server and it didn't go through. And so we will put that one out there. It's going to be a little dated, I guess, by now, Russ, but there was some pretty funny shit on there. So it'll be a little um, dated. We're always relevant. So. We're always relevant. Um, we talked about the beginning of the UK war. I can't even remember what the hell we talked about on the last podcast, to be honest with you. Uh, there was, we talked about a lot of stuff. We talked about a bunch of shit. There's some stuff that we didn't get to um, that we were they're going to eventually, like the almost people. But Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. We had to put that one off again. Just cause, I feel just cause we, all, we could do that today. We'll do that today because that's uh, that's been one of your one of your loves that you've been wanting to talk about. We're, well, we're also just so y'all know, um, uh, we uh, we talked for like two hours that night. So it's it, it was like a, we always say we're only going to talk for an hour, and it ends up being like you know two to two and a half. 
So right. uh, y'all are missing out. You'll get, you'll get it when we, when we get back in. I promise. Yeah. I don't even have my notes. So we're going to, we're just going to do this kind of, um, are you still Off there? The cuff. Yeah. You, I'm still like, Whoa, hang on. I'm going to have to get my plug. I'm already low on battery power. <laughs> the uh, planned obsolescence of the Apple corporation is fucking you up right now. Isn't it? Severely. Yes. I feel your pain. I pretty much have to keep, and I have a newer iPhone and I have to pretty much keep it plugged in all the goddamn time. If I'm doing anything, it's, it's ridiculous. And then, yeah. uh, of, of course the power that I get from my, my, uh, analog, very analog little old Jeep out there, um, really isn't sufficient to power it up. So it just stays like, even if I have it plugged in, in my car, if I'm listening to a podcast or anything like that, I don't gain any charge at all. It's, it's insane. Yeah, so for a uh, for a reminder, what what's upcoming? It'll be a little dated. Is we're gonna you'll get to see uh, Ukraine, the Great Reset, uh, Washington oh, yeah. State high school protests, right? Uh, our three hot topics, which is like uh, NFL coaching diversity, uh, folks who think you have to be whatever in order to comment, and U.S. Women's National Team. And then uh, Coop regaled us with a few commercials. That's right. It was a good podcast. I'm I'm sad that it's stuck in. Uh podcast limbo in a little computer shop um in centralia washington right now that, that kind of bums me out yes but but you know what while uh they'll get it eventually both of our listeners can imagine how wonderful it is and that will carry them through we're up to three now i believe that by the last uh, oh, okay. yeah so we got one more i don't know somebody took pity probably like a friend of my 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 uh, departed moms or something like that took pity on us or something so they're actually listening um before we get started we do appreciate your uh your listening what really helps is if you rate us uh five stars on the apple app um that really helps us get noticed of course we have a patreon page um folks can go over there and support us and we have a merchandise page two grumpy bastards merchandise.com and you can reach us Anytime at uh, two grumpy bastards at gmail.com. We also have a fairly active Instagram account. Uh, we do have a Twitter account, which I don't pay much attention to because I despise Twitter. Um, yeah, I don't like that. I don't like the sewer that's Twitter either. Yeah, it's and, and you know, the thing about Twitter is it's like 2% of the population even pays attention to it. And they're the ones commenting all the time on that. And everybody thinks Twitter's relevant. It's really not. not I mean, it's not it's, at all. It, it doesn't reflect any, any mood or any type of politics or any type of personality of anything. So I'm not a fan of Twitter. Twitter can, can uh, blow me. Um, but <laughs> I do, I do try to stay on there a little bit because I do know some folks over there that I enjoy following and um, local folks, local folks up here in Washington state mainly and some politicians and things I follow. Um, we will be, you don't know this, Russ, but I'm going to make this known. We are going to be on Rumble and Locals soon. We're going to have our own Locals and Rumbles page uh, where people can follow us. And that's kind of the alternate media that's come out in uh, in regard to the social media, you know, hierarchy, megalarchy, whatever you want to call it, hegemon, that... Uh, uh, you know, I, I hesitate to say it's it, it's all about conservatives getting on there and starting things because it shouldn't be just that. But it is in response to the left leaning censorship of a lot of conservative ideals and some other stuff. So if you haven't been on Rumble or um, or locals, I really encourage you to go over. There's a lot of people I follow over there. Dave Rubin, 
Dan Bongino. Um, there's some pretty prominent folks that are squarely on. Matter of fact, uh, Locals is Dave Rubin's company. If for those of you, yeah, for those of you who don't know Dave Rubin, he's a good listen. He, uh, he he's got a great podcast. He's a former uh, Young Turk former left-leaning liberal who saw the light a few years ago after talking to uh, getting schooled um oh shoot what's what's his name by larry, by larry elder larry elder thank you i know he's on those commercials with joe piscopo which freaks me out they're like talking about how old they are and how they have aches and pains now and stuff like that um but yeah by getting school or, or no was it thomas soul was it no thomas it was Soule? it was larry elder because i, I watched it? the episode Larry Elder, he, uh, Dave Rubin started off with, well, you know, we got all this systemic racism. And Larry Elder, who is a uh, pretty prominent African-American commentator, was like, OK, so what's your fa- facts and statistics? Because here's mine. And he's basically beat Dave over the head with facts and stats. And Dave was like, ah, yeah. Right, right. No, and I, I, I didn't mean to do what Adam Carolla calls a black simile which is confusing <laughs> one black guy for another. Cause you can't, <laughs> but I yeah, know that's that, not, that's uh, not exactly culturally correct. No, it's not. And I didn't mean to do that, but Thomas soul is also very uh, uh, influent in, in Dave Rubin. Thomas soul. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Thomas souls. Thomas soul is a fucking gangster. Um, the fact that he's not more prominent and not more, uh, you know, popular and famous is, is beyond me. He's one of the great thinkers of our time, I believe, philosophy, government, politics, all that kind of thing. Anyhow, so uh, we got a lot going on, Russ. Um, I've, I've been uh, kind of tuning in and out today to the situation in Ukraine, of course, which is the whole world's looking at. Um, well, give me some thoughts on the situation in Ukraine. Well, first of all, uh, all right, I'm going to conclude with something. Don't let me forget about the dumbest the dumbest statement of the day regarding Ukraine and its geopolitical influences. But uh, anyway, what's going on in Ukraine? First of all, we've discovered that there are, I don't know if y'all seen it, there are several things you can see from orbit. Uh, the Great Wall of China, the Great Pyramids, and uh, Vlad- Vladimir Zelensky's balls. Um, no, no. This guy is an amazing leader. He's rallied Ukraine. Now, I don't know how much longer Ukraine can hold out, but to be fair, I didn't think they would hold out this long. Right. Uh, now, the, now Putin has kind of boxed himself into stuff. He started this thinking it was going to be easy, and he's he's got to see it through to the end. I mean, he's he's finished if if they fail. I think the right. Russian best case scenario is years of guerrilla warfare uh, in Ukraine. I don't think Ukraine is rulable by the Russians anymore. I'm hoping Putin doesn't feel himself so boxed in that he resorts to using uh, tactical nukes. Uh, we'll see. Uh, the NATO did decide not to put a no-fly zone over Ukraine, which is probably in our best interest, only because that would have started a no-joke actual shooting war with the Russians. Yep. Yep. Um, and it may still come to that if, if Putin is stupid enough to cross the boundaries of the Baltic states. Uh, he, he did shell and take over Europe's largest nuclear plant last yep. night. Yep. And, that, you know, it's kind of weird because the prevailing winds uh, blow towards Russia. So I don't really know what the uh, danger level was on that. Uh, I did see just you'll probably laugh at this. I saw a meme on Facebook from somebody in Germany. It was like, uh, let me get this straight. So the world wants us Germans to rearm, march through Poland and fight the Russians again. Um, just want to write this down for the sake of clarity. OK. Uh, it, it is pretty funny. I mean, Germany is doing more than the United States is, to be honest, right now in terms of uh, fighting 
fighting the Russians. They're not exactly fighting the Russians, but they're they're uh, stripping themselves off from dependency on Russia. They're they're pouring money into liquefied natural gas liquefied natural gas terminals. They've decided to up their armed services budget, which that's going to take time, obviously, to build. But the Germans have shown that they are serious about this. The United States is gradually showing it's more serious, but it's not doing everything it could. Um, what I mean by that is all the sanctions that we put in place, for example, they're great, but we haven't sanctioned Russian oil yet. Um, it's still open to be able to sell us over half a million barrels each day. Now, luckily, American companies on their own are taking it on themselves not to buy Russian oil, but there are no government sanctions in place there. Uh, Joe Biden, basically, he, he's seen what the world is doing. Um, the world's having a parade about how united it is against Russia, and Biden has decided to jump in front of the parade and pretend he's leading it, which he, he's not. Uh, there are carve-outs for these sanctions. Uh, Italy is still allowed to sell luxury goods to Russia. Belgium is still allowed to conduct its diamond trade with Russia. So there are carve-outs. We've talked about uh, removing Russia from the SWIFT banking network, which is like the international the international banking system that allows countries to make major transactions for Russia. It allows them to make major transactions regarding oil around the world. And while we've cut some Russian banks out of the SWIFT network, we've been very careful not to cut the ones that, that do the transactions for oil. We've been very selective. We've not issued a blanket removal of Russia from the SWIFT network. So um, it's, you know, it's, we are not, doing everything that we could. I think we're going back to this rolling thunder approach we used in Vietnam when we were gradually upping the military scales. The problem is that when you gradually up something, the other side gets used to it. We need to go to an instant thunder approach. We need to implement the sanctions that we can. I don't know that we have the cojones to do that because what you're going to find is once we, I mean, there was an 11 cent spike in gasoline overnight, the largest spike, largest single day spike, I believe ever uh, outside of, you know, localized national localized, uh, natural disasters. And if we actually do do real sanctions, then we're going to see some more pain for the American people, uh, inflation wise, especially at the pump. And so we're going to have to make a real call on are our principles more, more than just saying. So are we actually willing to sacrifice for this? And this, and to be fair, this is even, this is barely sacrifice as it is. We're talking about paying a, you know, a little bit more at the pump. Um, but the fighting is going on in Ukraine where you've got you know, women and children huddling in subway bunkers. You've got the Russians uh, trying to roll tanks down the streets. They're shelling apartment buildings, uh, so on and so forth. Now, uh, Coop, you'll probably laugh at this. Here, let me put in bring one last thing. I, I wanted to bring up what I consider to be the dumbest statement of the day. Uh, and this is by uh, a man named uh, Ibdi Nor Iftan. Ibn Nor Iftan. He's a, a, Somali, a Somali refugee uh, immigrant to the United States. He's, he's made a pretty, uh, pretty good living for himself. He's, he's written a book called uh, call me American. You know, he's kind of a success story, but he's also a big gun control guy and he is shilling. Let me see if I can read this quote. Exactly. I right, think about the lasting effects gun violence can have on Americans. That brief moment when somebody opens fire to school, a restaurant or in the mall and people die while others are traumatized by what they see and hear shootings over the last years has sparked a debate on gun control in the United States. But how do we start a debate about global gun control to put pressure on someone like Putin to stop waging wars on innocent people? At this writing, Russia's powerful army surrounds Ukraine's cities and towns, apparently shooting indiscriminately. I think of those who have to flee their homes of many years besides sending prayers and loves to Ukraine 
everyone everywhere should start talking about demilitarizing the world or guns will undoubtedly kill many more millions of people in many more cities. Basically, the guy is saying, hey, if we have global gun control, then Vladimir Putin wouldn't have invaded Ukraine. He's a fucking idiot. He's a fucking idiot. Yeah, this is like, you know, he's a mouth breather. Goddamn mouth breather. The part of what's going on in Ukraine that's good is that the Ukrainian citizens have arms and are fighting back against the Russians. Right. Whether I want to fight or not is irrelevant. If someone decides to attack me, then I have no choice but to surrender or die. And people like Ifton don't get that. They think, well, you know, we can wave a magic wand, get rid of the guns, and there will be no more bad people in the world either who will do stupid shit like this. Right. It's it's irresponsible. It's it's incredibly irresponsible to even talk like that. I've spent my entire adult life, Russ, not just not just, you know, in, in the army sense, but just in my personal life, making sure that if somebody sorry to be a macho asshole, but if somebody comes at me or people that I'm around or people that I love that I can fucking take care of business, I've spent my entire adult life making sure I can deal with that. And I have, and I, and I, you know, I, I am confident in my ability to be able to defend me and mine and, and my family. And you, it's, that's the only responsible route to go to. I don't, I don't pick fights. I don't go around pissing people off. I don't go around insulting people unnecessarily. Matter of fact, I'm, I'm the, our audience may not know this and you know, this about me would never admit it, but I'm actually kind of a nice guy. <laughs> I enjoy, Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I enjoy engaging people and talking to people and making people laugh and making people smile. And um, I got asked by a little old lady at Safeway about, uh, 45 minutes ago, what the prices were on the dog food on the top shelf. And I said, <laughs> I said, uh, I said, well, God bless that I God built me the way I am so that so I could be here today to help you with that. And she just got a kick out of that, you know, and so uh, I was able to get her dog food off the top shelf. That's the guy I am. But I got to tell you, 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 you fuck with me, you fuck with mine. And this is what I'm so impressed with when you mentioned Zelensky and the Ukrainian people. And uh, I mentioned it in the last podcast. A lot of folks don't know this, but I got Ukrainian genes. Um, I didn't find that out until a few years ago when I found out about my biological father and all that kind of stuff. But I've got Ukrainian Baltic genes in me up to the extent of about 30 percent of me. And so I get it. Um, There's, you know, of course, it competes with the Viking and the and the Swede and the and the German, which I want to fight everybody all the fucking time. Um, oh, and the Scottish too, by the way, I don't know how the hell that happened. I, uh, that must've been a, I think that was a Viking raid to the, to the dude, islands or something dude, like think, that. I think your ancestors raped and pillaged their way across Northern Europe. That's how all that stuff happened. Yeah. So that's where the Scott got in the, I, I assume, but, uh, but anyway, um, mostly Bavarian. Um, but I got a lot of, I got a lot of the Baltic in me and I got to tell you my heart, my heart goes out to these people and what, what this has proved to me, uh, this, this Russian incursion, this Russian invasion, this war, a lot of things, probably the most important thing as the world knows is Ukrainian chicks are really fucking hot. Okay. Cause all the ones on TV are fucking hot. <laughs> That's the most yeah, important I, thing we should take out of this help war. The war effort. And it's a, it's the most important thing we should take out of this. No, like um, Zelensky is a fucking gangster. And, um, you know, people look him up, um, look up what he did for a living and what he comes from. He was a comedian and a celebrity. Um, this is not a trained warrior, but he's got that 
he's got that charisma, you know, and, 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 and people, people made fun of, uh, I'm a little older than you, but you remember the, the great communicator, Ronald Reagan, they made fun of the fact love, that he was in love Reagan. Yeah. And, and that fact that he was an actor and maybe not that old great of an actor, but you know, he made, made a good living for himself. He was fucking a leader. That's what he was. I mean, everything he did, he backed up everything he said, he backed up the fact that Zelensky told Joe Biden, basically, I don't need a ride. I need ammunition. It's one of the coolest motherfucking gangster things a leader has ever said in modern history. And, and I am so, I, I gotta tell you, I, my heart, I haven't felt, I haven't felt fire like this in a long time. I wish I could go to Ukraine and help out. Um, my my genetic heritage over there i really do i would fight alongside these people any day any day and uh they're they're gangsters the i think the most important thing we can take out of this um other than putin is obviously a demagogue who is on the decline and probably um i don't know if he's ever been mentally stable but he's definitely on the mental mental decline He's, he's acting rationally from his vantage point from his vantage point, which, you know, anybody knows anything about mental health, you always wreck, you always act rationally from your vantage point. Um, I think he's on the mental health decline. I really, really do. He's a throwback. He uh, he saw his destiny to basically recreate the Soviet empire before his life was over. I really do believe that I, you know, being the old KGB guy that he was and, and remembering the, the glorious, you know, Rodinia and all of that. I do believe that that's where he's coming from on this. This is his last gasp attempt at being the great Russian demagogue of all time. It's not going to fucking happen. Um, he's on the decline. But what I really want people to understand, too, is that although Russia is a nuclear power, they're a second world country. They're not a first world country. Yeah. They're not even fucking close. If you look at their military um, their, you know, all of their technology, all that stuff. If there was actually a shooting war, and I, I don't trust Joe Biden's administration to be in charge of a shooting war against anybody, uh, I wouldn't want them to invade fucking Reno because I think they'd get that wrong. But I got to tell you, our technology, our superiority, they they out nuke us ten to one. They always outnumber us. You know, I'm Russ. When I was in ROTC and I was getting trained as a young officer, and you were there with the you were you a were you were the Black Horse or were you the Scorpions? Over uh, at I was well when I was with the Op Four, we were the Black Horse, but they used to be in the near uh, in Germany, I believe, near the Fulda Gap. But I'm not positive that's where they okay. That's where they yeah, yeah, yeah. So you were you were in um, for those of you that don't know, Russ Russ was uh, in Op Four at the National Training Center in Fort Irwin, California. Stands for Opposing Force opposing force and you guys were the best trained armored unit in the world because that's all you did but what you did was you fought with what we called vismonts which were um you know you used american vehicles but you made them look like soviet tanks and and visually modified visually modified exactly and you studied the american tactics and you studied the russian tactics and you acted as if you were fighting as Russians, as if you were Soviets. That was you. You used their doctrine, I, dude. I, having been to NTC three times in my life, it was a fucking obsession with me to try to figure, you know, oh, uh, what's what's a CSOP and what's you know, la 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 la, you know, to uh, figure it out. You guys were really good. I will tell you that Seventh Cavalry handed you your fucking ass um, in January of. <laughs> 
true story. Uh, January of, uh, fuck, was that, 1995 or 96, we handed you your ass. But uh, that's because it started snowing, and uh, we had those cool optic devices that we could see you better. Um, well, and I it actually, there in 95, and I wasn't there in January of 96, and every unit thinks they kicked the op for ass when they usually did. Yeah, we, we handed you your ass. We did. But, uh, but and then my uh, battalion commander rolled through with Custer's battle flag on his Bradley. It was pretty badass, I got to tell you. So we, I didn't uh, get there until April of 96. Yeah, yeah. No, I, so you and I we never didn't lose went again. We did not go, <laughs> we did not go toe to toe. We did not go toe to toe. But uh, yeah, I think it was, it was January 96, actually. It, it just popped into my head when, when I was there. Is that right? January 95. It doesn't matter. I'm digressing. Um, so you guys were the best trained, um, I think, army unit in the world because that's all you guys did. You trained, you trained, you trained, and you did not. Well, according to what I knew, you didn't have the American technology necessarily. You had a little bit yeah. to make it to make it fair. You had Soviet technology level to go against yeah, us. Much. Yeah, but you guys did it all the time, and we would go to we would go to NTC for six weeks a, a year and do a rotation there, and we'd made it like a real deployment. And it's it's badass. It was fun. I I had a great time at NTC. I right. thought it was a all those folks out there. Ever pod, all those folks out there in podcast land think laser tag with tanks. Yep, that's exactly right. Tanks and Bradleys and whatever else you're out there using. And and uh, um, I thought it was the funnest thing I'd ever done in my entire life. Everybody's like, this sucks. I'm like, this is so much fucking fun. I'm smoking cigars and eating corned beef hash every day. It's great. <laughs> um, and uh, we are so superior techno- you know, in, tech, in the tech world in how we fight and how we maneuver and everything like that. If there was an actual shooting war against the, the Russian army, as it is, this would be over. This would be over by now. It would be over oh, yeah. by now. Well, yeah. what, one of the things that this, that this has revealed is the Russians are nowhere near as good as they want the world to believe. They should have rolled over Ukraine last weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in two days, two, three days, they, bro. They, they don't have, they don't have the maintenance and logistics tail. Their soldiers don't understand maneuver warfare. They can't coordinate the artillery and the direct, uh, the direct fight in order to fight throughout the depth of the battlefield. So all they really have against Ukraine is numbers, numbers and air superiority. And that's one of that's why they are. That's one of the reasons why the Ukrainian, well, the numbers and the air superiority are why the Russians will likely eventually win. But the Ukrainians are showing the world they're they're fighters and they're not going to just, you know, give up. Uh, Easily. Before I forget, there's something just came across the news that you should probably know. And I'm sure, you know, our listeners will know by the time this gets uploaded. But the Russian this shows the war is not going as well for Russia as they hoped it would. Otherwise, they wouldn't have to do this. The Russian government has blocked access to Twitter inside the country. Shortly before blocking access to Twitter, the government also cut access to Facebook. I heard that. Yeah, and because there was, there's an uprising going on in Russia right now among the people, which has never happened in history before the Great Purge, right? And yeah. uh, there, there's been an uprising. There's been protests in the streets of Russia. And, of course, you do that in Russia, you go to jail for 20 years or you just get shot. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a gulag. Yeah. Um, no, that's, 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 uh, that's really important to know that because that's not – their reaction against those platform. It's their reaction against their own people within their own country. It, it's their reaction to knowing that if, the, if there's free dissemination, free dissemination of information, it's going to go very bad for the regime. It will um, here, you know, and, and, and I got to tell you, I listen to some, 
some people, you know, I'm a podcast junkie. You're a little bit of one too. I have a little more time on my hands than you do since I'm actually retired and you're only retired in a new career. Um, <laughs> and you have a formula life where you have a couple of daughters and a beautiful wife and all yes. that. And I got to feed my um, formula. You got to feed your formula. And I, I have a coon hound, so uh, mine's a little easier to do. <laughs> um, and if I, if I called my current, my current, uh, my current place uh, squalid, uh, squalid would call me on the phone and go, why the fuck are you having a problem with this, bro? So I live, I live a pretty simple life, but, uh, um, I gotta tell you, I am for being a libertarian. I get a lot of shit from some fellow libertarians. I call myself libertarians as close as I can get to qualifying who I am. I, I am an interventionalist. I am. I'm not an isolationist even slightly. And when I listen to people like, uh, Oh, what's his name? Matt Ryan and and some of the some of the very conservative folks that are like, we should never be in a war anywhere outside of our own. Tucker Carlson. Yeah, Tucker, Tucker's Tucker's very much that way. I I completely disagree. And this is something that I you know, I I don't know that you and I've ever actually had this conversation as long as I've known you. I I really actually believe that because of the providence that we have been giving in this country. And the greatness of this country and as much influence as we have on the world, it's our, it's our, I will say this and fuck everybody who has a problem with this. It is our God bound duty to assist those that don't have as much as us. And I, and if it were me, I, I'd be much more interventionist. I mean, we're, we're in, there's places in Africa. I wish we were there. There's other, other places where, right? Oh, you risk American lives. Well, fuck. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. You do. When you have as much as we do, I would gladly go somewhere and, 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 you know, I wanted to bring this up earlier and I didn't, but you know, when you look at, when you look at, uh, I'm not saying we should go over to Ukraine right now with a bunch of ground troops and a bunch of aircraft and go to town, but would I love it? Would it give me a fucking heart on as a former military officer? It would, it would to, and, and I know it would, Let's escalate things to an nth degree. I was sitting there watching the news this morning on that 50 mile convoy, supposedly that's outside Kiev. And, uh, you know, it's been stalled uh, for a lot of logistical and, and Ukrainian defense reasons. I'm sitting there in my mind's eye going, God damn, what would a few A 10 warthogs oh, and yeah. a few drones just taking that? Oh my God, you tear that a convoy apart like it was fucking spam. It would. It would. That convoy would not exist. Just a couple of A-10s and a few drone strikes. Or, That's all or it some, would take. Some ATACMs, some field artillery ATACMs. Uh, yep. Oh, God, yeah. Would do I, it. Yeah, or AC-130s. Uh, yep. You know, oh, God, raining hell. God bless our buddies in the Air Force for those things. Um, for those of you who don't know what those are, those are C-130s that actually have artillery and... Uh, Rapid-fire artillery cannons. Rapid-fire artillery cannons coming out of an, a low-flying slow mover aircraft not to mention the 20 mic mics and all the other stuff that they have on board those things um it, it would it would completely devastate that convoy that convoy wouldn't exist you just have to put a few of them in the air and the russians wouldn't be able to respond because our our uh, fighter aircraft are so fucking good at air to air the f-35s and you know all all of those things would even be able, it, it would even, it would be like beating up the fucking retarded kid down the street. And I just said that, and I'm going to get in trouble for that. I'm going to get an email on that, I'm sure. Um, but it would be. And there's part of me that really wants that to happen because I really want this guy to be, I want to put my foot up this Putin guy's ass. 
I, I really do. He's been a terror. He's been a disgusting piece of shit. Yet, yet the Biden administration still buys 700,000 barrels of oil a day off the fucking guy. Yeah, well, um, so a couple other things real quick. First of all, um, I don't know if I did see some news earlier today that Biden is trying to revive the Iranian nuclear deal and he's going to involve Russian diplomat, diplomats in that. So that's just oh, of awesome. Um, he's a good guy. Now, when it, comes to foreign, yeah, when it comes to foreign policy, I'm not quite as interventionist as you, but I am still interventionist. And it's for pragmatic reasons. It's because power, that nature abhors a vacuum. And if the United States is not the dominant player on the world stage, then someone else will fill that gap. And the chances of that someone else being as, for lack of a better word, good as we are, are not high. I mean, the other major players on the world stage include China and Russia. You know, we're right. not dealing with, you know, Britain where the, the sun never set on the British Empire. Even then, they obviously no. had some imperialist challenges. But uh, we have to get involved in the world because others will get involved if we don't. This is not the 17th or 18th century where we can hide behind two oceans. The world is too global. We're involved in global trade and that involves societies uh, that, that we have to deal with. You got to remember, we, we don't manufacture a whole lot in the United States anymore. Now that's for a variety of reasons. We can lament that. I get it. But you know, if, unless you want, you know, the cost of your iPhone to triple, then you're going to, you're going to take some labor from overseas to make some stuff. The, that said, since they're since we are involved in a global economy, we have to be involved in the world because if we're not, China is going to start dictating our prices. Russia is going to start dictating oil prices, or we're going to run into more shit like we did uh, with OPEC and the OPEC oil embargo in the Arab nations in the early 1970s. We also have friends around the world that we do want to see succeed. Everybody from Great Britain to Japan to Israel. So we can't just step back and do nothing. You got to remember, it was in 1973, I think, during the Yom Kippur War, that if we decided not to get involved at all, um, it would have gone nuclear. The, the Israelis were yeah. Getting, yeah. getting pushed back, and uh, Gilda Meir, you know, we would not give arms to Israel. And Gilda Meir basically told uh, Richard Nixon, hey, look, you either give us arms or we're going to have to use the Jericho option, which was their plan for nuclear war because they weren't going to get pushed back into the sea. And suddenly we said, well, we don't need we don't want to see nuclear war going off in the Middle East. So we gave them some arms. And that's just, you know, obviously that's a specific, very pointed example. But we have to be involved in the world. Otherwise, things are worse. We can't just retreat into our shells as much as I would like to. It's not feasible if you want to continue to live free. Yeah, great point, Russ. I, uh, you know, as a certified military historian, and you can verify <laughs> that, um, I can. as a former military history instructor, one of the things that I truly believe that this happened, and we talked about this on the last podcast, so we'll make this brief so people can go back and listen to that. This largely happened because of our Afghanistan debacle under Joe Biden about how we withdrew, we showed weakness and the Taiwan thing coming up with China, I believe is, is, is on the, is on the horizon. So if a sit tight folks, if you don't think there's going to be a fucking world war, wait, wait one. Um, But, you know, it was, it was, it was interesting to me back in the day when I, when I really analyzed the different strategies in Iraq and Afghanistan. And I realized those were two different countries with two different types of terrain and two different blah, 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 blah. But in Iraq, in both wars, the Desert Storm and, and uh, Operation uh, Iraqi Freedom, 
um, um, it was, it was a, it was, it was a fist punch. It was a fist buck. We went in, we invaded and we kicked the shit out of them quickly. Now it took the surge really to stabilize things in Iraq and all that kind of thing. But the, the ground war was over relatively quickly. Afghanistan <clears throat> was a war of posts like we did in, in uh, Vietnam. It really was a war of posts. It was, you know, um, sit here, go out, do an operation, come back, but not really take the country over. So, you know, what you said at the beginning, if we're going to do something, um, and this is, I guess, where my macho interventionalism comes in, fucking do it. And, and I would say that uh, it's not enough what we're doing right now. It's not enough to really support the Ukrainians on the ground. Um, I don't know if they have people that are capable of being drone pilots or, or any of that kind of thing. I guess I, I have heard in the news that the Javelin missiles that we've given them have been incredibly effective. We both know the Javelin. Um, I, I, I had to, yeah, it was part of the EIB, I believe when, uh, when I was going through that, when I got my EIB, you got your EIB, I'm sure. I believe you had to do a Javelin missile. Thing. I didn't, but I got, I got my EIB in 97 before the Javelins were, uh, Oh, okay. Really a big okay. thing. Yeah, I, I do remember learning how to fire that fucking thing, and you didn't actually fire one, but you but you saw what they would do. Um, but we're not doing enough, and it, I, I'm I'm sorry. I just really really believe that we're not doing enough economically. You can do it. The, all the things that you brought up, I won't reboot. Um, I don't know if it were me, uh, I'd be I'd be air flighting some M ones and some fucking other really cool things into Poland and giving Ukrainians an actual fucking fighting chance against. And here's the thing, folks, the Soviets are using 1980s technology, um, Soviet 1940s tactics and 1940s tactics. Right. They've, they've, they have not been in an actual war. Fuck Crimea, fuck the Bosnia kind of thing, because that was like rolling over a little kid. Um, they, they haven't figured out anything since World War II as far as their tactics being different. Another thing about the Russians is they, they don't care about casualties historically. Um, if you look at their casualty rates, anybody want to go out and Wikipedia that or Google that, their casualty rates in World War II were astonishing. There was that, yeah, they, really, there was that really good, uh, really good uh, movie um, about the sniper, Vatsily Saitsev. I can't remember the name of the movie. The, the guy from Finland? Um, uh, no, the, the Russian sniper, oh, okay. um, who went against the German sniper, uh, Ed Harris played the German sniper and, um, Oh, okay. I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he, one of the most famous snipers of, uh, in, in the entire history, uh, you look at their casualty rates, they would actually go into battles with every other person carrying a rifle. And that, that actually wasn't hyperbole when the guy in front of you dies and drops the rifle, then you pick it up and you fight. That was the Russian way of of uh, the only reason they held out against Hitler in World War II is because they had a massive amount of humanity to die. Yeah, they, had, they had more people. Yeah, they had more people. And you know, millions of Russians died in World War II, by the way. Millions. Um, nowhere near. 20, the I think it was like, what, it like 20 million? Yeah, yeah. Only what, a, about a third a quarter of, what, of the population. That's a, a quarter of the population of Germany. Right. It would have been 20 million. And that's how many died fighting the Germans. Fighting the Germans. And that's, well, and that's only a third of the amount of people that Stalin actually just murdered taking over. So, uh, 
<laughs> go communism. Yeah. Go socialism. Yeah, all you motherfuckers out there that think this is a good way to live, there you go. This is what happens um, when people have absolute power, and that's what socialism is, when the government has absolute power. And, and that's another thing I kind of wanted to bring up in all this is it's a good lesson learned. I hope the fuck that some people are growing up. Some people that think socialism and communism is a, is a way of life. You're looking at the at one of the two last bastions of it on planet Earth, and this is how they behave. This is how they behave. They don't give a fuck about their people. They don't give about Ukrainian people and the Russian people might be very similar. I know Putin saying they're they're Russians. They're not. Uh, it is genetically and 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 very much different as far as their community and the way they their languages aren't the same, although it's similar. But this is the way people who have this socialist ideal behave. And uh, I, I, I hope the world's picking up on this. I hope this God bless. God bless all these Ukrainians that are losing their lives. And, and, and you know what? To be fair, the Russian sol- soldiers, too, because I don't think a lot of those fellas are out there thinking this is really what I want to do. I want to go kill people that look like me and talk like me and maybe, you know, family members like me. I don't think that's what's going on. But this is what's going on when you have a brainwashed fucking community generation and all these people that can't think for themselves outside of the state. And hey, motherfuckers, all of you that think you should be wearing masks and all that, you're not that fucking far off. And I want to talk about masks here in a minute, too, by the way. I had had an experience yesterday. Yeah, real quick, just you mentioned about brainwashing. It all depends about the Russian soldiers and things. It all depends on what people are being told by the government. This comes back to... You know, when you when they the Russian government cut off Facebook and Twitter, they're controlling the flow of information both to their population and to their military. For anybody who right. knows anything about the Korean War, the Chinese soldiers that poured across the North Korean border uh, in order to drive us back across the the 38th parallel, those Chinese soldiers were told that they were in Mongolia, not Korea. They were told they were fighting back Americans that were trying to invade communist China to undo the revolution. So you never really know what a government is is telling its soldiers and without access to free information uh, it, it's really hard to overcome that plus coop you, you brought up a uh, you know a really good point about communism people think that communism would work in ideal circumstances but that's kind of arrogant when you think all right so i'm going to be the person who's going to be able to hold off the stalins i'm the person who's going to be able to hold off the lenins and the putins all right right communism draws tyrants to it. And you can have all the good intentions you want. First of all, I think communism, socialism is an evil uh, outside of, you know, the evil people taking control of it. It's an evil philosophy anyway. You want to, you know, find out who the socialists are in your life and you will suddenly discover who thinks they are, who thinks that they'll be able to steal from you if they feel morally justified. That's socialism. That's communism. But it also, it also attracts tyrants who will, Will use the absolute power of the state because communism and socialism are about either redistribution or central planning, and you can't do that without a strong state. And when you draw in the wrong kind of person, which power attracts people who should never have it, then you're going to end up in an autocracy. And so thinking that you're going to be able to make it right, no, you're going to end up with the Great Leap Forward. You're going to end up with the, the Holodomor uh, in the Soviet Union, the, the Great Famine. It's just, it's just not going to work. But People are naive and stupid because they don't understand they they view the world the way they want human nature to work rather than the way human nature actually works. Yeah, great point. Uh, you know, in a tribe situation where you have a, a communal type of situation back in the day, a certain type of socialism actually does work. 
But once you get over about, as George Carlin said, people are fine until there's more than three or four in a group. And then they start wearing armbands and beating the shit out of each other. Yep. Um, there, there's a certain amount of, you know, mystique for the tribe and, and everybody has, well, here's the deal that that is designed on literally an, a, an equality, not an equity system, but equality system where everybody pulls their way in a situation like Russia or China. Let me tell you, the guys at the top, the guys that, that are at the top of the government are living fucking fantastically. Oh, yeah. While 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 the middling person or or that person that's toiling for their family is living like in squalor, worse than my squalor actually, because squalor called and and complained when I said that earlier. But <laughs> um, no, uh, uh, seriously, the only people that profit from the big picture socialism and communism are the people at the top, and they will do everything they can to keep that keep that in place. And I'm not talking about old fashioned hierarchy, which is a positive thing. Um, go listen to Jordan Peterson, you uneducated fucks. If you want to know what the uh, actual positive effects of hierarchy are and what that actually means, it's not a negative thing. I'm talking about what you said, Russ is power. It's power. It's once you, and, and look, we're seeing that in this country right now. And, and I'm not being hyperbolic. I'm not um, Jay Inslee, the governor of Washington, He's a power hungry little fuck. Um, he he's done everything he he can to keep these mass mandates in place. Um, look at the governor of California. That you know how I feel about that guy. Look at what Justin Trudeau did in Canada with the Emergency Powers Act. Completely yeah, unnecessary. That was not. That didn't call for it. It completely unnecessary. Completely stupid. But he did it because he's a five foot six, a hundred pound fucking nothing chick guy and he got a boner on having that much power that's the only reason he did it you don't need to look any further about how it can spoil people even in western democracies um i gotta tell you we have one of the worst governors in the world up here we don't get as much press as um what's his favorite uh, gavin newsom in california gavin newsom, because, California. yeah we don't get as much press up here about how bad jay inslee is but jay inslee is a fucking goat screw of a human being and has done everything he could to seize power and make unnecessary proclamations and all this kind of stuff way way beyond i mean illegal stuff i mean there's and you know washington fortunately as i tell people washington isn't a blue state it's a red state with a couple of big blueberries like around seattle and olympia and a little bit further north unfortunately those blueberries carry the vote because it's seattle and the rest of it is loggers fishermen farmers you know working people and it's a very red state when you drive around any place other than that yeah um and even even with that they have a super majority now in our um our house up here in washington so there's no way that anything that he did that was stupid was going to be blocked because most of the voting districts and that population density is in seattle olympia and I leave Tacoma out. Tacoma, I love Tacoma. Tacoma's a bit of a red city still, thank God. Grit city, they call it. Um, but it just shows you what that power can do. This state has been, so let me talk about, we're going to transition here. We talked about mess. So I was actually in Tacoma yesterday. I had a couple of appointments up in Tacoma. So Huckleberry and I had a good day. We went to my appointments and we walked along the waterfront and Reston Way. We went to Point Defiance Doggy Park. And uh, I got to go into one of my favorite stores. I have two favorite stores, Trader Joe's and Whole Foods. 
And so we stopped at Whole Foods on the way through. I was the only one in Whole Foods. Okay. For those of you listening from Washington State, which there's a ton of you, there's actually, we do have more than three listeners. Um, we have five. five. But there's a, a bunch of you that know where I'm talking about. University Place in Tacoma is uh, kind of an uppity little neighborhood. Um, fancies itself to be a little bit more progressive and, and you know it's beautiful it's I, I lived there when I was stationed at Fort Lewis and I loved it I I not bad mouthing university place but there's a Whole Foods there I was the only motherfucker in the entire store not wearing a mask and I can tell you how many dirty looks I got oh my god it was fantastic and I'm like what I really wanted to get on top of one of the registers and just fucking yell at the top of my voice <laughs> what is wrong with you fucking retards do you not get it yet even Joe there's, Biden. There's you in that word again, man. I'm sorry, you fucking idiots. I'll I'll change it to idiots. Okay, but it's going to stay in the podcast because I can't really edit it from my phone. <laughs> what is wrong with you, fucking idiots? What is wrong with you people? It's doing nothing. You're fucking stupid. And then I uh, even the CDC has admitted that cloth masks aren't doing anything. They're not doing anything. And then I go into the VA, right? Uh, after stopping at the store because I had two appointments and they're like three hours apart. So going to the VA, oh my God. It, I, I'm surprised it didn't make me get into a goddamn like garbage bag fucking plastic the, bag over your head, duct tape. Boy in the bubble bullshit because I went in there wearing my American, I knew they were going to make me wear a mask. So I, you know, and I have to have this appointment. It's important. So I did compromise, ladies and gentlemen. I'm sorry, but you can't go to a VA appointment without a mask on. And I go in there with my American flag. Uh, cloth mask and they're like you can either put this one over it or you can take that off and put this on it and you know what they gave me one of those fucking paper masks dude oh, one of those fucking paper masks and they're like and i'm like <sighs> and you know the gentleman working at the desk it's not his it's not his fault so i'm not going to go off on him it's not his fault you know and i'm sure he's a he's he's probably a disabled vet like myself and you know probably has a, a nice cushy job you know, working at the VA. And then uh, I go to see my provider and I'm like, do you mind if I take this off? You know, why we're in the office? He said, no, I can't let you do that. I'm sorry. I've had COVID twice. I've been vaccinated three times. There is literally zero risk. Why the fuck? And I, and I go, I go, doc, why haven't you guys caught up to what's going on yet? He goes, well, there was some talk about it, but then Omicron happened. Oh, nature's you mean vaccine? You mean nature's vaccine? The one that gave us, you know, herd immunity and now everybody's okay. And, you know, there's almost no hospital visits now because of fucking, Jeez. oh my God. Yeah, no, it's, it's still going on out there. And I, I just thought, you know, maybe, maybe going to a place like uh, Whole Foods where there's people that, you know, it's ex kind of expensive and all that kind of thing. I only go there every now and again, because I, if I shop there every day, I'd be broke. <laughs> But I love their food. I love their I love their stores. And I'm going, why am I the only fucking person in the store not wearing a mask? This is insane. And and I, I didn't have anybody confront me because I don't look like most people that go into Whole Foods, as as you know. Yeah. You know, I don't I you know, I, I don't wear like socks with fucking uh, sandals and shit like that. Uh, I don't wear Birkenstocks and and uh you're not, you're not, you know, 112 pounds with a scraggly goatee and really thick frame glasses. <laughs> I don't talk about my vagina on social media. Yeah. Um, but, uh, 
going to Whole Foods and I'm like, and there was, it was busy. It was actually very busy. And I was like, nobody said anything to me because I think people know better because they see my face and I don't look friendly when I'm in situations like that. Um, um, and I can be kind of intimidating when I'm in a mood and I was in a mood when I went in there. I've seen you in some mood before Pope, before Cope. You have, you have. Yeah. It's, it's not pretty. I'm, I'm not bragging about it by the way, ladies and gentlemen, it's just kind of, kind of my deal, but I was in a little bit of a mood going in there because I'm like, fuck, I just want to go up to every one of these people and rip their fucking masks off, especially the people that had their little kids in there shopping with them and their, their masks were on. I'm like, you're a horrible parent. You're a fucking terrible parent. If you're, if you're making your kid do this, fuck you. Now, is there a certain amount of the population that can and should be wearing masks? Okay. But you can't tell me 150 fucking people, which is roughly what I'm assuming was in the store, including the clerks are all immune compromised. Most of the people in there were very fit. You know, you They're know how it is in communities like that. Most people are very fit. A lot of them, a lot of the ladies are wearing yoga pants and things like that. I'm probably the most fucking fat and vulgar guy in there, to be quite honest with you. And I'm not even all that fat and vulgar, just slightly. And uh, I'm just looking around going, what? What are you doing? Stop it. Stop the nonsense. Stop it. Let's just fucking stop. And then you, I, I'm sure you've heard, and I wanted to transition this and get your opinion. I've heard, I'm sure you heard the uh, the video or the uh, audio of DeSantis talking at a school. At Florida State, FSU, yep. At FSU, and he basically said, uh, kids, don't wear your masks. It, it doesn't do anything. Stop it. And then the media trying to make something out of that, trying to make like these kids were offended. And it wasn't <laughs> my favorite part of that. And I'll turn it over to you because I've been talking a lot. My favorite part of that was the mom who said, how dare he, if he doesn't make my kid wear a mask, it risks my health. And I'm like, you self-centered C-U-N-T. Fuck you. That's what you're thinking about this. It risks your health because your kid, fuck you. That's where did this generation come from? I don't remember it. I remember beating up on these fuckers back in school that, that acted like that. I, I don't, I don't know where this, and these are people our age, Russ. I, well, what is, is there's a lot of folks who who uh, were like that, like you talked about in high school. But when the pandemic came out and they suddenly got perceived power, they decided that they were going to be the, you know, first of all, they're the full embodiment of the helicopter parents. They were, right. gonna, you know, make sure they were the champion rule followers and everybody else was going to follow the rules that they thought were right. Uh, we have we are raising uh, generations of folks who are who are A, scared of their own shadows, and B, who can't learn how to properly display and read emotions because their faces are covered. Now, I'm very fortunate where I live. I live in a county in Tennessee where, you know, the the mayor here back in August of 2020 imposed a mask mandate for like five weeks, and it was almost a popular revolt. Uh, so there hasn't been a mask mandate here forever. My kid has, my kids have never had a mask mandate in schools, in their, oh, wow. in their schools. Um, now again, they go to they go to a private do school. To, do they go? They go to private school. They go to a private school, and uh-huh. it was. It's interesting when the the mayor put the the mayor of the county put the mask mandate in. And yes, for, before anybody writes me, yes, we have a mayor of the county that I live in. So don't even try it. Um, he, <laughs> when he put the mask mandate in, he exempted schools and churches, which is where a lot of people, yeah, where, where a lot of because he knew that people weren't going to follow it in schools or churches anyway. So my kids have not been in masks. I thank goodness. You know, I thank God for that. I can only imagine, you know, some of these other places, they, I mean, shoot, New York City, 
and a lot of other places, they still have kids in these masks to protect yep. the least to protect the, the least at risk group from their 60 year old triple vaccinated teachers. It, it, yeah, it's I mean, crazy. Protect, it, yeah, it's we have done a vast disservice to our children. It's time to remove these things. I'm glad some folks are finally deciding to remove these things. Mostly they're not removing them because the science has changed. Science hasn't changed. They're not they haven't been following the science since the beginning. What they've done is they've started reading the polls. The polls have changed. Sure. And sure. they're they're realizing that they're about to face an electoral defeat. And we're stupid if we let them we're stupid if we let them uh, actually get away with making us forget that they put all this stuff on on us. So Yeah. Yeah. We we can't let them do that. DeSantis was absolutely right when he said, Hey guys, I think what he said is hey, you don't have to wear those masks. And some some kids took off one one kid whose mom later said something. If you notice him in the video, we took the mask off. He started smirking like, okay, now somebody besides my mom is saying it. So my mom wants me in this thing, but somebody's giving me permission to not. Yeah. Yeah. And he's going to actually defeated the purpose. It actually defeated the purpose watching those kids in the in the interviews and then listening to the hysterical fucking. I'm sorry. It goes back to people thinking this is the Black Death or Hantavirus. They can't get past reality and it's it's kind of sad at this point i think there's going to be the the mask holes that are going to be around for i'm going to guess another two two and a half years or they're going to return every winter for the next decade and a half that's probably what's going to happen in the large in large parts of the country so you know i laugh at the you know first of all if you want to wear a mask go wear your mask i don't care don't bother me about it but i am going to laugh at the folks who are in their cars by themselves or who are outside uh, walking around with that face diaper on, that's a security blanket and nothing more. It doesn't do anything. Like I said, like we talked about before, I don't want to rehash everything, but you know, folks in medical school take a semester long course on how to properly wear PPE. That bandana, the dude down at Walmart is wearing just ain't going to cut it. Uh, it, it yep. Since uh, Delta was twice as, was twice as transmissible as the original virus. And Omicron is 70 times as transmissible as the original virus. I mean, I'm sorry, as Delta, making it 140 times more transmissible than the original virus. You know, your mask ain't going to stop it. Go wear a biohazard suit or go hide under your bed. Let the rest of us live our lives. Around here, where I live in Tennessee, this pandemic has been over from a public policy perspective for roughly a year since the vaccines came out. Now, I've got some issues with the vaccines they're, they're not what they were sold to us as. I'm vaccinated uh, against this thing, but we were sold to build the goods on just how effective these things were. And we should have known it given the types of viruses that COVID is. You know, with coronaviruses, adenoviruses, and rhinoviruses, they are a lot more mutatable. They're, they're not as susceptible to vaccinations as uh, something like polio or smallpox or mumps right. um, that have more stable structures. We don't need to get back into that. But, you know, if... If you want to wear your mask, fine. Just try, just understand it's not doing anything. And really what it's turning into now is a political symbol of, look, I'm the champion rule follower and I can, I care more about you than you do. Uh, whatever. What did, as long as people, what did, what did, what did uh, DeSantis say? Did he say in that little, little, uh, uh, it's COVID drama. Is that what he called it? Something like that. Something like that. I can't remember exactly, but it's something about the, the COVID drama or the useless, theater or something like that. Yeah. COVID theater. I believe, I believe that's the right term he used, which just makes me want him to uh, run, run for president in two years more than ever. I, I really, I would love, love to see him run for president. I am 
this is going to piss off some of our re- some of our readers, some of our listeners. I know this, but I'm afraid Trump is going to run. Don't get me wrong; if he gets nominated, I'll vote for him. But I, I don't want him to run again. I don't I either. Have I don't either. Sense. I don't either. I, I yeah. I mean, as much as I love a lot of his policies and and what he actually accomplished in four years, which is more than almost any president in history, as far as good things for this country, it it just would it be so divisive again and and all that. So. You know, get a fresh face in there that has some. I, I think DeSantis would be a fantastic president, and I know he'd he, pick a great VP. He um, would, DeSantis has got the potential to be on par with a Reagan, uh, he does, or somebody like that. But, but <laughs> what I would really like, I would really like to be able to look at a president on TV and not be embarrassed by him. And I haven't yeah. had that privilege since 1992. I. I when with George H.W. Bush, the first um, right. and he, he wasn't now. And the, the guy before him definitely was Ronald Reagan. Reagan was awesome. But, you know, between yeah. Bill Clinton screwing everything that that showed him a little bit of thigh to George W. Bush, not exactly having the greatest command of the English language to Barack Obama's divisiveness to Trump having no filter between his brain and his mouth and to uh, Biden's doddering old man routine. I, I can't watch the American president on TV anytime in the last 30 years and not just, Which is insane. Print, just a little bit. That's insane. I mean, you, what you were like first probably legally to vote for George Bush too, right? Yeah. But I voted yeah. for him during the campaign where Clinton beat him because it was just a real quick aside. It was amazing. It was all about how the worst economy in the last 50 years and all this other stuff, but it was within 24 hours of the election where Clinton won that suddenly all, th- all the major networks, Uh, This was back before the explosion of media everywhere. All the major networks declared that the uh, recession had been over since March of that year. So, yeah, Yeah. they weren't in the bag for Clinton. Yeah. But, yeah, I voted for him. I remember it well. I voted for him in 92. And that was the first presidential election, the first election period I was able to vote in. And uh, instead, we we watched uh, the trailer park trash dude uh, come in and empathize his way into the presidency. And, you know, what's funny, if uh, if Bill Clinton was president right now, I'd, I'd actually be uh, well, his his use of the military was fucking horrific, but he'd be considered a fucking Republican. <laughs> oh, yeah, hey, absolutely. He, he could not he could not get nominated in today's Democratic Party. Oh, God, no. God, no. He, 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 he wouldn't even have a chance, bro. Yeah, no, he'd be considered a Republican because he was he was he was a moderate Democrat. He was in a lot of ways. I said his use of the military was was horrific. Go watch. Uh, um, oh, um, the fuck am I thinking? Um, Black Hawk Down, if you want to see how great of a military leader he was. And, um, and also understanding that he he was he came in. He came into the nomination process talking about brain dead liberalism and uh, having the sister soldier moments where he was. He was excoriating the far left flank of his party. You can't do that today. You know, even Tulsi Gabbard, you know, Tulsi Gabbard tried that and she basically flunked out of the primaries. Yeah, I love I love Tulsi, but her positions are are much further left than mine. But just her even dressing down the left wing of the party, she couldn't get nominated. So Clinton, no, she would, Clinton would not have gotten nominated today, but he possibly could have gotten nominated as a Republican because he was sleeping around with everything. I mean. You know, for all of I Trump's me, policy stuff, some, yeah. I mean, Trump was not exactly known for being a faithful, a faithful man. No, and and like I said, I I, I kind of knew uh, the guy that was uh, Hillary Clinton's um, uh, lab partner at law school, 
um, got to know him a little bit. He was a radio talk show host out here in Washington state for a while and talked about how nice of a person Hillary Clinton was when she was in, you know, law school. But then uh, I, I think being married to that guy and writing. I don't know if I'd ever put Hillary Clinton and nice in the same sentence. He, he, and he's very, very conservative. And he says she was lovely. She was a really nice person and, and very, but then she got hooked on the star of Bill Clinton and then everything changed. He, he yeah. really thinks that all those years with that piece of shit changed her completely. And she's one of the, one of the worst human beings on planet earth. Do I still got you? I'm sorry. Yeah, no, you still got me. I mean, it's okay. amazing that the Democrats decided to nominate the only person in the world that couldn't beat Donald Trump. <laughs> right. Yeah, and, then, and I love the talk that's been going on lately about uh, oh, she might try again. Oh, you know, please. Let me let me let me just say this with all due respect to the older people on planet Earth, and we have some listeners. Um, I have uh, one of one of the benefits I I talk a lot about. You know, I had, it was kind of tough growing up. Well, one of the things I did have was a lot of lovely people in my hometown who kind of looked after me. A lot of unofficial aunts and uncles and grand folks and whatever else. And I'm still in touch with a lot of those people. And that's been a blessing in my life. So I don't want to offend anybody, but isn't it time to get the fucking octogenarians to fuck off the stage, the Nancy Pelosi's, the fucking Joe Biden's, all that kind of stuff. It's listen, all you've done has been in government your entire life. That was never what our government was intended to be. It was never intended to be people that did it as a career. It was intended to be kind of an extra duty in your life to go and serve government as a politician. That's all Joe Biden's ever done. That's all Nancy Pelosi's ever done. That's all a lot of these motherfuckers have ever done. I mean, Barack Obama, everybody, oh, he was very charismatic. And, oh, guys, hey, I'm going to wear a polo shirt and start wearing a suit and tie. Y'all, look at me. I'm charismatic. He's a fucking, I don't, I'm sorry. Everybody's like, oh, he's a really smart guy. Really? No, he's not. I'm not, I'm not seeing it. He's a buffoon who who could fucking he, spend a good time. You know what he, I'm saying? He got into know. office based on his speech at the 2004 Democratic Convention. Exactly. And you know what he'd been before that? He'd never had a private sector job in his entire life. He'd never had a private sector job where he had to actually answer the whistle hey, and answer the bell. Listen, <laughs> I'm going to offend a lot of fucking people here, but government jobs unless you're actually wearing the fucking uniform are the least fucking scrutinized places on planet earth to fucking have a job in wearing the uniform is different because you have to, you, you have to get promotions. You have to pass physical fitness tests. You have to be in good health. You have to do a lot of shit. And, and I don't care. I, I had a many, many a great GS employee that helped me out, but I had, Mostly shitty GS employees that work for me. I'll, I'll tell you that flat out. And there's GS employees that work for me to listen to this podcast. God bless you. There's there's some really good ones. Um, government service is what I'm talking about. County employees, city employees, fucking state employees. It is one of the hardest places to get fired from. It is. Oh, yeah. It is. Uh, and you and I have talked about this before. There should never be a union that defends teachers, government employees, or anything else because you're bargaining against taxpayers. Which is insane, which is fucking insane. And I will die on that hill. I will die on that fucking hill. And I I can tell you, I can tell you, Russ, honestly, between you and me and and the seven people, hopefully eight (laughs) people that listen to this podcast, I have lost some friends because of my views on this. I have. 
because I've had a lot of friends that went into the teaching profession. And I think it's a goddamn joke that my friends who teach at a junior high in a suburb of Tacoma make $130,000. You're working 180 God. I think it's fucking insane. I think that's fucking insane. Okay. So I agree with one of the easiest majors that you could possibly pick education. And none of those people are like, Oh, I went into education because I really want to help kids. It's like, no, this was kind of easy. And you know, I was going to make good money and I have a lot of time off. Okay. You should be making 50 grand a fucking year. If you're going to teaching to make money, you went the wrong profession. Well, but, but, and I'll, and I'll bring this up. It's true. You can get on any webpage in any state and you can look up anybody uh, who's a teacher and look at their salary because it's 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 public knowledge what they get paid. Just like, you know, every 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 amount of money that you and I made throughout our military career was easily accessible by the public. Just looking up our pay chart. Okay, so you can see exactly what we made. So I'm 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 sitting there. I, I got out of the army after 23 years and I was making pretty comfortable money. I, I thought, yeah, this is I'm I'm doing well, especially when I was on my last couple of tours, and you know I was getting that. Uh, oh, what the fuck do they call it? Uh, where I was getting my BHA plus I was getting per diem because I was dislocated. Anyway, the money was comfortable. I was making really good money. Fucking junior high teachers I went to high school with, my age, fifty years old, make make more than that. Yeah, look, I'm gonna piss off. I'm going to piss off some teachers, I'm sure, by saying this, especially public school teachers. Look, I, I love teachers. I, I do. Um, but you're right there. There's a, a fairly stable income. There are benefits. There are – I'm talking about public school teachers now. There, there, yeah, yeah. there are also yeah. – you know, you can't uh, get fired almost over anything. You know, right. and you pretty much have to sleep with a student to get fired. Right, which is um, which is weird and – you should die if you do that. So, yeah. So it's not, it's not that, you know, I keep hearing that, you know, that's this woe is me profession. I get that it's all consuming and it should be if you want to teach right. But if you went in there to make money, you're wrong, but you do have a stable income, you have stable benefits and you can't get fired, you have job security. Uh, it's, a, rare, it's, a, it's a lifestyle, it's a lifestyle job and it should be when you yeah, choose so that. Really, so I don't really want to hear, you know, about the, the woe is me uh, sacrifice of it because it, it's a lot of jobs have sacrifice. A lot of jobs uh, are a lot less stable. So, you know, how about we keep our eye on the ball? You know, and you and I taught at the college level together. Um, we were both university professors at the same time and it was a fucking blast. I mean, I was busy. I was yeah. really busy. I put in a lot of hours, especially I would work out before I went in and then you know, do the Bataan Memorial Death March or the Ranger Challenge and then yep. teach some, you know, and then I'd have to prep for, and then, you know, I, I was the XO of our particular little happy family there after a year or so. And so that kept me really fucking busy, especially with the civilians that we had there. Um, <laughs> you remember them fondly. Oh yeah. And, and I, and I actually mean that I remember them fondly, Steve and Robin and some of those folks that worked there and, uh, not that supply guy. Fuck that guy. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> that I got fired, thank God. Um, but it was busy, but it was a fucking blast. Are you kidding me? I mean, you know, I, you know, having Jimbo Kester, who's been on the pod there with us as a as a he tried to be a guiding hand to me and I rejected it a lot. But we loved each other deeply. And, 
I still do. And then um, his replacement, Steve, and I can't remember the last name um, that came in there behind. Yeah, him. I can't remember it either. Yeah, he's such a great guy, a younger guy, uh, just full of energy and humor and all that kind of thing. And guys, we work with Herringer and and uh, Jason, uh, Jason over there at Sacramento State and stuff like that. Hioko, I believe his last name was. Yep. Is that right? That's right. Um, and then our NCOs were fantastic. We've had we've had a couple of our NCOs on the on the podcast. It was a fucking blast. And I and I can tell you if that had been like something I could have, I get bored easy. I really do. And I was ready to move on to something different and move out of California and go back to the real army. But I'd have been just fine. I'd have been just fine teaching. It would, it was fun. The kids were great. Um, you know, I, I don't know that, that, that was one of the two or three best years of my life actually being there among you guys and, and with the kids and, you know, we're, you and I are still friends with a lot of the kids, obviously. Um, a lot of them are friends of the pod and, you know, on Facebook and stuff like that, the Ryan and Selmies and so on and so forth. But, uh, that was just a fucking fantastic time. And I never felt like never once, unlike a lot of jobs I had after that and before that, like this sucks. Fuck. I don't even want to go into the office today. Oh God, this is hard. Never felt that way. And we, you know, we were busy. I mean, a lot of our weekends were taken up with either recruiting or being out in the field with the kids or, you know, doing all that kind of thing. Never felt that way. Not for two minutes of my life that I feel that way. And I went through some hard times down there in California. Um, and uh, God, it was just, it was fucking great. I look back on that as one of the best times of my life. Of course, I was yeah. fit and I was 35 and I was still pretty. So that helps, but... <laughs> Oh, I was always pretty. 